0: which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. I gotta tell you, kind of an underwhelming
1: week. I cannot lie. It just... Yeah, it was a little bit lackluster in the episode department, but we're going to talk about it anyway, because that's what we do.
0: (laughs) That's what we do. And there is some news we have to get into immediately, if not sooner, which is last week, here we are discussing the false headline that was circulating about Alexis Bellino and Tamar returning to OC. And we find out this week, a la Jules Aaron, which we'll get into in a second, that Tamar is in fact coming back.
1: I'm really happy. I think this is like the secret sauce and the missing piece that OC has been searching and scraping the bottom of the barrel looking for. I also think it's
0: interesting the way that they announced it. Obviously, we'll get into the Jill Zarin thing in a second, but they specifically did not announce it when Tamar and Vicky were on Watch What Happens Together. And then it was the next night when Tamar came on and kind of did that surprise appearance. Do you think it was because of the Jill Zarin hiccup and they wanted to let that breathe for a second? Or do you think it was because they would have felt it to be genuinely cruel to announce
1: that news about Tamar while Vicky was sitting there? I don't know. I think probably a mixture of both. I'd be very curious to know if that decision was made prior, when it was made, what the conversation was about that, how much Tamara was involved in that, but I have no complaints. I think it was perfect and iconic, and I'm so happy to be where we are. Something that I always try to pick up on when these announcements are made is Andy's
0: reaction. And when Tamara walked into that clubhouse and she took that orange, I felt like you could really feel Andy's genuine excitement, which to me is the best sign. So if
1: Andy's thrilled, like, I'm thrilled. Oh, I think he fully was, like, turned on, right? (laughs) Yes. Like, you can tell he was just, like, fully all around aroused by the whole situation. And I can't say I... I disagree. (laughs) But can we now circle back to Jill Zarin of it all?
0: Yeah. I mean, in quite literally the most classic series of events ever, here's Jill Zarin on the way to her charity lunch in the Hamptons and she's doing a private Instagram story. And she had said, I don't know if it was that she saw that headline about Tamara coming back circulating or what it was, but she makes a very passing comment of like, yeah, so Tamara will be back on OC, but my friend Vicky won't. I'm sure she's very upset boom goes absolutely viral it's taken as jill zarin leaks Tamara judge coming back for next season of oc Tamara loses it tweeting jill go fuck yourself you thirsty bitch jill is in the (laughs) middle of her charity luncheon pleading on on her instagram story saying i'm so sorry i didn't know that i was breaking any news but it
1: could not have gone down in a more classic way i feel like with this Tamara played herself because There were so many rumors. We spoke about the Tamara Alexis Bellino headline. And then again this week, it was like rumors swirling that Tamara's going to be announced on OC. But we see that shit every single day. Like I don't even bat an eyelash at it until it's confirmed because people just talk. So... By Tamara now making like this whole stink and fuss that Jill leaked something, it it just confirmed it in this like really negative way. And I don't blame Tamara at all. Of course, based on everything we see and what we know that they think about Jill, it feels very on brand and a little bit like thirsty, center of attention, stealing Tamara's thunder. But I don't think that was Jill's intention at all. I think it was just like a huge, giant misunderstanding. And I couldn't help relate it to... When Frederick like leaked that Josh Flagg was going to Douglas Element, like they were waiting for this huge article announcement and Frederick was like posting on Instagram, Congrats to my friend Josh Flagg. That was way more of a conniving situation, but to me it was like very parallel because Josh Flagg was like commenting on the post, like, you fucking asshole, like what are you doing? Get this down now. Right.
0: But okay. In that circumstance, though, to me, Josh Flagg's anger was so much more warranted than Tamara's. I get it. If I'm Tamara, I'm going to have that same reaction. But I don't know. I mean, I said this two weeks ago and maybe I'm off, but I found myself having this really uncharacteristic feeling of defensiveness over Jill because It's not that I don't see the criticism that other women give to her. I just truly do not believe she is malicious in nature. I really, really
1: don't. I think she just has diary of the mouth and she just does it and says it and really loves people and cares about them, but just can't help the way she is. And that's okay. But don't you agree with me that Tamarix sort of like fueled the fire of fucking up her whole thing? It was a little bit of the DJ Khaled congratulations. You played yourself mean. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so we can make that meme when we promote this episode. Although we honestly probably won't promote this episode because the episodes were so lackluster.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing nothing we can't talk about.
0: I know. We're, we're texting each other through all these episodes being like, damn, not the best week to have a podcast,
1: huh? <laughs> no. Well, as each episode came out, it was like, okay, this one, eh, not great. But then we're waiting for the next one, hoping it'll be amazing. Eh, not great realizing that sometimes the stars just align that it's a week of fillers and that's fine i had the best time watching i happened to be able to watch with julie which as you guys know julie does not really engage and watch bravo she has sort of limited knowledge just from being around us and being in the pop culture world so much but watching these with her was honestly so much less painful because to see housewives through her eyes is such a joy i swear to god (laughs) Watching Julie watch the scene of Dorit and Jamie Lee Curtis and the gift bag was an absolute treat for me.
0: I so get it because I have been in that exact seat sitting next to her while watching and I always have the same reaction of like, ah, to be young and naive again,
1: you know? It's funny, yes, because I think last week she watched with you and this week she was watching with me so I accidentally put on the wrong episode of Beverly Hills and she's like, oh, we've seen this one already. I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you happen to just
0: stumble upon it, or maybe you're here because of the Chloe and Tristan one, if you're interested in our takes on Bravo, I think maybe go back to last week's because I loved last week's. I was so amped to talk about the Genshaw trial and all of that. I feel like that would be your, a better first introduction to this podcast. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah,
1: totally. I mean, we're only as good as the episodes are, so I guess let's let's keep on rolling. So getting into this Shep and Taylor news, which will seamlessly
0: transition us into this episode of Southern Charm, Wednesday, people confirmed that Taylor and Shep have split after two years of dating, quote, according to insiders, problems in their romance came down to Rose's disinterest in being faithful, quote, Shep has a real issue with monogamy and refused to commit to Taylor, telling her that he doesn't want to be with just one person and change his lifestyle. One source says, quote, she's incredibly hurt, but she knows that she deserves a guy who will fight for her, not one who is so selfish Adds another. He'll regret this. I mean, I don't think any of us are surprised, but I looked this up before we started recording this episode because I was curious. She's 27 and he's 42, and I don't think I realized that he was 42 because he behaves in a way that's, I guess, far more similar to like a
1: 34-year-old. 34 even seems a little bit high. I just feel like this announcement paired with this episode, they are so hand-in-hand. It is honestly... Sort of perfect in like the weirdest, saddest way of this all going down because I think us watching this episode thinking that they were still together would be kind of dark, especially for Taylor, but honestly for both of them because they just seem so sort of unbalanced and really rocky and not happy, either of them. It seems like the anxiety level of Shep going away with two of his closest friends to Austin's hometown. I mean, it was like a level 10 stress for both of them. So imagine what other trips look like and living their lives looks like. And I understand a lot of it is Shep's own fault because of what he's done, but it just feels like he doesn't want or need to be in a monogamous relationship in that way right now. So it was sort of a lose-lose. And I'm honestly glad we got to see this episode with the knowledge that they are no longer together and that she sort of has had the same realization that I think we've all been thinking for a long time. I was
0: really happy for her. I mean, this she had to pull the plug. It was not going to work. And it was. you're right. It wasn't sustainable for either one of them. It was clearly misery and anxiety inducing. To, to have your boyfriend go away for just a weekend with the guys and to feel that level of stress and not unwarranted. I mean, she's feeling that, like Austin said, because of previous circumstances. It's it's no way to live. The other thing I wanted to mention, though, I didn't watch the full episodes. Obviously, we had to record this, but I watched the first like 10 or so minutes of Austin and watch what happens tonight. And Andy was asking him about what he He felt like the energy was in Shep and Taylor's home after this episode. And you can see Austin's kind of like, oh, I don't know. I probably wouldn't want to be there, which clearly this must have been pre-recorded because if the episode really was recorded today, that news would have broken already. But I think Austin probably knew something because you could kind of tell by his body language and the way that he was talking about it. He knew that news is going to come out any day now.
1: Totally. And even if he didn't know for sure that they were like broken up or breaking up, because I don't know how sort of close and connected they are all the time. You know that in the months from that trip and the episode we saw tonight to now, things only were going more downhill. So I guess maybe they'll both be at the reunion. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen two exes recently broken up sitting down at the couches and answering questions. But I'm sad because I think they were at a time really cute, but I'm super happy, honestly for both of them, but mostly for Taylor that this is sort of where they landed. Yeah, she would have, I think if she stayed in this for any
0: longer, she would have looked back with a lot of regret. Whereas now yeah. hopefully it's not regret and it's not resentment. It's just like, wow, that was a chapter of my life. I can close it. But if they had stayed in this, let's say, you know, she's 29, she's 30. I think she would have had a lot of resentment in her heart having to start over and having
1: and feeling like he was almost stringing her along. And how exhausting for her. She must just feel like a weight off her shoulders.
0: Yeah, it's. I'm telling you, it's no way to live. Also. I was thinking about this while I was watching this scene when he's at the bar talking to that girl and Craig and Austin are, are talking together and Craig kind of makes the comment of like listen you and I both know it's not just one thing you know he's he's about to step on a landmine or however he phrased it and I was thinking how hard it must be to maintain a legitimate friendship between these three guys when part of the necessity of the show is ratting each other out basically you know I'm all for Craig saying that, obviously. It adds very necessary context. But if you want to talk about it pretty simply, I mean, he's majorly breaking, quote, bro code. And I feel like under no normal circumstance would that be a kosher thing to do, but you're on a reality show and that's necessary to add to the plot line. But I almost, for some reason, had this moment when I was watching that scene where I was like, the show is the reason they can't get as close as they once maybe could.
1: Right, I I selfishly... I love it because it means we get to really hear the, the legitimate shit that we want to hear and the truth of these situations. But it also saddens me because I love all of them as friends. I mean, we saw this with Craig and Austin earlier in the season. The number one crack and strain in all of their relationships is that no one can keep their mouth shut. They love to talk and get caught up in it. And they don't feel like they can trust each other. And yeah, I know a lot of it does happen off camera in real life, but I think it's all sort of just a waterfall effect of being on the show and caring what everybody is doing and talking and gossip and all of that. Whereas if they never had entered this world or it wasn't even an issue about like being in the public eye or being on camera, I think that they would be so close. Like you can't even imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, the counter argument to that, obviously, is that the show has been bonding, one, because they're spending a lot of time together, just the sole act of filming, you know, needing to do scenes and needing to spend time with each other for sake of their job kind of prevents you from drifting. And also, it's a very unique understanding. I think that Across all of reality television, Bravo specifically, they'll say, you know, you don't really understand what that experience is like until you've done it. So I'm sure it is a shared experience that created some source of intimacy. But no, I mean, I don't know. I was just watching this and I was like, <laughs> you're always kind of watching your back. And that is not a way to
1: have a long standing, sustainable friendship with someone. No. Well, back to that other point, though, I think Craig and Paige talk about that a lot of why their relationship does work, because they both have this sort of understanding. They don't have to explain things to each other. They know what it feels like to be on these shows and be filmed and what the whole hoopla comes along with it. So again, it, it totally can be bonding, but in a very different way. Wait, I'm so happy you
0: said Paige and Craig because I had a comparison that I wanted to make. You remember in one of the last episodes of Summer House when Carl's having that conversation with his mom in his apartment and he's talking about ending it with Mackenzie and he's not saying anything you know, disparaging about her, but he's kind of just talking about where he's at in terms of his view on relationships and his mom kind of makes a passing comment of like, when are you going to move upstairs and what we thought was insinuating Lindsay? Yes, of course. How could I forget? And we were saying, if you're Lindsay, how lucky are you to have that footage? That's kind of like the window into a conversation every girl wishes that they could see about their boyfriend. I felt similarly to that when Craig hung up with her on the FaceTime and was like, oh, I almost said I love you, but I did it. Uh, Like, do you know how invaluable those moments are? Because typically you would never, ever get to see that about your
1: partner. No, I cannot go down this road right now because I could do a whole podcast about this. I would just call it the Kim Zolciak and Croy Bierman effect, but True. yes, I love it. I think it's so cute. I love, I love Bravo Lebs who talk to themselves on camera because they know the camera's there. They feel the presence. So they just sort of say their thoughts out loud and let us in their head in like a not fake way. And it was such a sweet, just earnest, cute moment. And also a huge contrast for what's going on down the hall where Shep is like asking the cameras to leave because him and Taylor are fighting on FaceTime.
0: I know, but imagine Craig and Paige watching this episode together. And she's probably like,
1: like swoon. Swoon,
0: I mean, that is the best, best, best feeling. It's like, you always wanna know that somebody has those kind of butterflies about you or to be able to witness the progression of their feelings. You don't get that in in real life if you're not on reality TV. And I mean, to me, nothing's worth reality TV, but I gotta tell you, that is pretty appealing.
1: You know how you always say when, a mixture of Craig, Austin, and Shep are on our screen, you know you're going to get some kind of dirty text from me. <laughs> yes. Our group chat was popping today because Julie was watching with us and because Craig posted a story today saying, I'm 6'3", Austin's 6'5", and Shep is 6'6", and we were just – I reposted it. I was like literally no commentary necessary. I just, I just needed everyone to see this. <laughs> so having that information, watching this episode, them all being so cute in the car, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was so funny because when I saw that you posted that, I hadn't even seen it myself. Like, I didn't see his Q&A
1: and i am going through. I'm like, damn, but I was about to send it to you. And I was like, wait, that's our story. <laughs> I honestly just storied it instead of sending it to you. I'm like, yeah, she'll see it.
0: Yeah, and I did. And I did. And
1: I, I love when out. we do that.
0: You can cut this if you want, but I still think it is the funniest thing ever. Isabel texts me in the middle of Southern Charm and she
1: goes, <laughs> <laughs> She goes, I'm going to level with you. I have no idea who Olivia is. Someone said something like, yeah, Olivia, Olivia. And I literally was like, I have no idea who they're talking. Am I like, what is happening here? I just just literally, I like, what? Is she a main character? They went to her parents' house. Like, I vaguely remember that. Austin. I I just like, it's a lot of characters. And she was just not at the top of my mind. I think the way that we feel about Southern Charm
0: is like there's just so much going on that I wasn't necessarily prepared for this Olivia plotline. It's fine, I'm gonna get used to it. It's it's no big deal, but there are just other things that are consuming my attention a little bit more.
1: <laughs> Can I tell you a really really weird comparison I have to make? Also, yeah, of course, I feel like Leva this season is like Patty Stanger, and I'll explain yes. why. She's just sort of like the sage advice giver in the corner who sets the rules and people go to her and she just watches it all go down and burn to the ground. Like she's in a marriage, she has kids, she has businesses, and she just sort of is there while all these quote kids are bopping around and come to her when she can be the peacemaker. And I don't know why that reminds me of Patty Stanger, but something about it does. And I don't know. I don't mind her in that position. I like a huge cast. I think big cast shows do really well. We've seen Housewives cast that are like five people and it's a snooze fest. So it's great. I just have to be able to keep track of all of them, I guess. I mean, prime example of the horrors of a smaller cast is most
0: recent season New York. That was, I, I would say, our biggest takeaway was we just needed more people. There needed to be more conversations because everything felt so forced. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if this is kind of a weird thing to say, but I was thinking about this while watching this episode. It's not that in the past I've disagreed with The way that Austin has described Madison. I view them both to be really, really toxic. And I think that, you know, maybe sometimes he embellishes certain aspects about her personality, but I do think that she really did have that level of toxicity as he did. I think they were very evenly matched in that regard. I just think she was a little bit smarter. So she was, you know, more capable of manipulation. But there is something weirdly refreshing about hearing someone as level headed as Vanita talk about negatives about Madison because you almost become numb to it when it's Austin saying it because it's like, you know, beating a dead horse at this point. Whereas Vanita comes in, who's someone who's very good friends with Madison. And she's like, yeah, she was really annoying. She made this party all about her. She wasn't thinking about me, you know, whatever she was saying. And even for her to be so aware of some of Madison's tendencies, it's like, if I'm watching this episode as Austin, even though he had some less than admirable moments specifically on the date, I'm like, you know what? That's kind of validating.
1: Totally. And also sharing a birthday party with someone is like, I would say, an inflammatory experience to have at any time. So then to also have it with somebody like Madison is probably a terrible idea and a really quick way to like get the ick for your friend. I am really curious to see what's going to happen with this
0: relationship she's in. Not saying anything bad. I have no idea. I know nothing about it. But that one scene, I found out more than I had known. I really was pretty in the dark about it. And I'm just curious to see if it's going to be a long engagement or what the deal is going to be.
1: I would love to meet him.
0: Yeah. It just feels like potentially a major overcorrection from Austin, which sometimes- I don't know. I'm not, you know, who am I to say? It's also a
1: lot of talking him up, glorifying, bragging, you know, it's like, all right, show me, show me the money.
0: Also, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I obviously respect everyone's religious tendencies, but if someone looked at me and told me that they were going to take away my ability to masturbate, you you already- Red (laughs) fucking
1: flag. Yeah.
0: Like that, I don't know. That's, that has, that's just not something that's going to go over with me, but you know what? It doesn't have to, I'm not marrying the guy.
1: What a beautiful transition to the next note on our outline, which all it says is Jill got her so sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Wait,
0: I watched this episode when I was getting a pedicure and I'm telling you, I was hysterically laughing when she looks dead in the camera and says, and then Bobby says to me, did you tell him to stop?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I'm yelling, Bobby, Bobby. What a hilarious anecdote. Like, that is why I love this. We just got so many funny anecdotes from this whole season of this show. I I loved it.
0: So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they are the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Commons by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. No, the, the fact that in this one episode, we're finding out that not only did Jill get her toe sock, but Phaedra, <laughs> Phaedra says in her confessional, yeah, Vicky's got kind of a potato head. <laughs> I was like, I, even though this episode was obviously so much
1: less chaotic than the previous ones, I I've audibly laughed so much. Same. I think this was a perfect finale episode because we got like... A little bit of bickering. Like, of course, Dorinda and Brandy are gonna go at each other and you know, ruin part of the last dinner. Like, of oh fucking course, what else would happen? But also, I feel like it was really nice. Like it felt like it felt like the last day of camp. And that is a good way where everyone's on each other's nerves, they're ready to go home, but they're sad to see this go. And like Jill's saying, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see all of these girls again and we'll never be in this exact group setting again. And it's like you get a little nostalgic. I can't lie.
0: It was also so funny when Jill was like, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever do this again. And then he fast forward 10 seconds later and she's like, I would definitely do this again, which I was glad because I'm looking at her like,
1: Jill, <laughs> one thing about I don't know you- how to you're not to tell you gonna this. Gonna,
0: yeah, yeah. One thing about you, you are not going to say no.
1: No, <laughs> never. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: The Dorinda Brandy thing was so minor. It's not even something we need to really get into. But it just goes to show you, Dorinda cannot help herself. She is physically incapable of not taking an opportunity to be mean when she feels even slightly criticized. And it is just so, honestly,
1: sad. It is really sad because you just want to, like, okay, this is like fucked up, but you know like dogs have like little zap collars or something when you're trying to train them? I just want to zap her and be like, stop. Like just stop, just just back up, back away from the road. Like don't eat that, don't do that. Just stop and don't get yourself in this thing. Because if you don't, and if you just cut it off right now, you'd be so great. I know. And the other thing that you have to remember here is that,
0: in a way, this kind of was an audition for her. I really do think that Bravo slash Peacock, you know, was looking at this. Wait, has she really changed? Is it possible to put her back on Legacy? And so it's not only that it's just no way to live as a person like if it's not healthy for your own like emotional and mental sanity but also I wanted to say you are shooting yourself in the foot here
1: and also you're going to fucking regret this in not just tomorrow in the next hour in the next 5 minutes so just don't even go there like i feel that Weight on her heart. Like, you know, when you've done something or said something or you sent the wrong thing, and you're like, oh, I just want to rewind five minutes and not do that. And it's like, I know she's going to feel that in five minutes. So just don't, just don't, just don't. And Brandy is like the perfect opponent for her because Brandy has almost the same problem and the same sort of like immediate reaction that they could spar all day long. It's so different, though. I mean, Brandy is so
0: much more reactive, whereas Dorinda really is the aggressor. And not to say Brandy doesn't cut deep. I mean, we've seen her say some pretty messed up shit. It's never, in my opinion, meant to be as malicious as it is with Dorinda. She sees red, you know, and like all bets are off in a really kind of conniving, almost scary way. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetinscom sample policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing/slash time expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place I will definitely have a washer and dryer because You just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I feel like generally speaking, you and I are really big fans of Marlo and we were so in celebration of her getting a peach and I still very much am, but I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with how to talk about this because I don't feel comfortable commenting on what's wrong or right with how she handles her nephews. Like I can't pretend to know what that's like. It feels like a really sensitive situation to me. The one thing that I do kind of feel like is fair game to discuss though, is just how much she's divulging about what they're going through and i and i get it we have praised her consistently for being so vulnerable and obviously her having a full-time housewife role as we said it really gives her an opportunity to share so much more about her life and i really appreciate that and celebrate it i just think some of the stuff isn't necessarily her news to share like totally tell them about you know kicking them out and, and yeah. talk to your friends through that process i i'm all for it i just feel like showing the camera the hole in the wall that he punched How, what was he going through when that happened i don't know maybe i'm just hypersensitive to that but it that was the only thing where i was like i i can't defend this it i'm not going to criticize you for kicking them out like yeah it feels wrong but also i don't know what that's like but
1: god the the showing the mess of the room i just felt that was so intrusive and slowly starting to feel like maybe the timing wasn't great for her for her to be on the show while like having this really big life transition with the boys and everything and there are moments where I feel like I don't feel like I should be here right now which is like not a good feeling I just think that you have a right to share what's going
0: on in your own life but I think to bring and I get it it's, it's her house but I don't know I just was thinking if I was you know a 14 15 year old kid and my room's a mess for whatever reason I'm going through emotionally or mentally the last thing I would want is a camera that's then being put on national television there I, I don't know the whole yeah. thing just like kind of skeeved me a little bit
1: yeah for sure but I just circling back to Kenya and Marlo of it all because that is actually like I think what we want to see and also what's actually relevant to Marlowe's life in the moment for the show I thought the conversation with Kenya was like really one of the most open and vulnerable she's been and just like really breaking down exactly how we got to what point we're at now. You're saying from Kenya's perspective? Yes. Yeah. No, I I honestly felt
0: the same way because it wasn't a drag necessarily. It wasn't like she was you know, trying to have a soundbite. She was really, I felt, coming from her heart. And when she said, I know you say you love me, but if it's this type of love, I don't want it because it's toxic. And I kind of agree with her. I think that there's a lot of jealousy that exists within Marlo for whatever reason. I'm sure, you know, a lot of that is more deeply rooted, but I do find that she has a slight inability to actually feel genuine happiness for Kenya. Yes, I I think so too. And the other things that were coming off of last week where Kenya gets pretty drunk, they're not having any of these deep conversations, but you saw there was some stuff kind of lightly brewing. And then it was like this week, Kenya just wanted to set the record straight because it's not a it's not a fun place to be in with your friend for this to be prolonged for weeks and weeks.
1: No, and also for it to now manifest itself on Marlo's trip and it gets into all of the like, well, where are you going to stay? And Marlo sort of has the power and the power dynamic because she's, quote, hosting the trip. And I think that really put Kenya in sort of a position where she felt like she's in between a rock and a hard place and also at a point where she has to sort of make a decision and she has to say something there has to be a conversation because there's no way around it anymore so I'm sort of glad the trip had to happen but I also feel like Kenya was probably like oh I would have just kept you know being shady sweeping this under the rug It would have hashed out maybe at like the reunion and just continued to like go at a surface level yeah that's not her
0: No. The other thing that I found funny was how last week we were saying that, you know, Drew's great, but she's a little bit delusional. And it's almost funny the way they so openly kind of clown her. And then this week with the candle scene with them literally using the word delusional. (laughs)
1: if there's one thing the Atlanta women are gonna do it's play the shadiest game you could think of at a dinner
0: (laughs) it's the best thing ever also that house was so nice it kind of gave me different obviously but just hear me out for a second a much smaller scale of the house that the Kardashians rented I guess it was in Tahoe but you know that vibe of like very Mm. kind of elite glamping we love to see elite glamping love to see (laughs) <laughs> All right. Beverly Hills, how you feeling? Speaking of elite glamping. <laughs> uh, okay. The most interesting part of this episode, obviously, was the fact that the mid-season trailer was released today.
1: It took me out.
0: Well, remember how we have been saying for the last month that we feel like it's going to be part
1: A and part B? This is that. I mean, we are entering part B. It's like a new season, truly. I mean, my God. Bombs were dropped in that two-minute trailer. I know. I'm scared.
0: I'm I'm honestly scared. Literally,
1: like, mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. I
0: know. The thing that I already find myself being frustrated at is that, according to what we've seen in the news reports and according to kind of what was alluded to in this trailer, whatever the major Kathy Hilton bombshell moment is, isn't on camera. And that is so goddamn annoying when that happens because then you're forever playing this game of, like, he said, she said.
1: It's really hard But it also allows for a lot more like conversation and we get to then decide who and what we believe and put the puzzle pieces together. Whereas if it's on camera, it's sort of cut and dry and you could go either way. But if we look at it sort of as like a game of Clue, now we're really we're really getting in the trenches. Yeah. And I'm down to play the game of Clue. I just think
0: (laughs) what's this going to be like for Kyle? Right? Like, how does she play this one? That's that's what I'm Not really, good. Right? I mean, how does she play that? I don't know.
1: I don't know. It's going to be a miserable second half and a reunion for Kyle. I, I can feel it already. It's crazy that Kathy Hilton had a viewing party for the Beverly Hills premiere. I feel
0: <laughs> – Like, in my mind, based on seeing that, I would think that she never wants to even hear the words Bravo be uttered.
1: I would think that she was like – trying to get all of this footage taken down, not be part of the season, suing Bravo, trying to get this all basically erased. So it is pretty interesting. And also all of that aside, she was in maybe two minutes and they were just like eating potatoes on her balcony, which, by the way, looked fucking amazing.
0: I got to tell you, I don't think I would have thought to have baked potato with butter, sour cream and caviar as a meal. But after watching it, it really is something that I would like to try.
1: That's something I'm interested in. It's something
0: I'm interested in. I can't tell you it's not. Like, you know that feeling of when the butter and or the sour cream melts on the baked potato? I could feel it as they were eating it. I can't. Add caviar onto that. It must be a good mix. I've never done that. Are you hungry right now? I like, I can't stop eating. It's decadent. (laughs) Decadent. That's what I was thinking when I was watching. I was like, I never thought a baked potato could be this decadent. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This crystal conversation, not the one that happened at the bar with Kyle and Diana, but the one that happened at Diana's party with Eric and Garcelle,
1: I don't think that the preview did justice for just how kind of uncomfortable this was. It was very uncomfortable. It was one of the more like raw, real moments where you feel like, oh, shit. Well, first of all, let me just give a trigger warning here for disordered eating. But
0: okay, this is my perception. The way this whole thing went down from start to finish was flawed. Starting with my number one favorite girl, Garcelle, even she fucked up. I don't care whether or not you know the person has an eating disorder. Regardless, we are in 2022. We are past the point of walking up to someone and complimenting them that they look thin. It's just not something we're doing anymore. There is no need to make that observation, specifically someone that you know that has such a sensitivity to body image issues. Because, yes, in the moment, it may feel good, but specifically somebody that has that sensitivity now the next time they see you, if Garcelle doesn't say that, what's going through Crystal's mind? I mean, it just it sets up for such an unhealthy, toxic thought process, and also just further emphasizes the idea that like thinness is associated with goodness. So there's that whole thing. So starting it off, you know, Garcelle was in the wrong. Okay, we go a step further. Initially, when Erica's talking to Crystal, I didn't find that it was overly intrusive because Crystal's been very open about it, and it seems like Erica wanted to ask questions, and so. Of course, her delivery is harsh because that's just the way that she speaks. But initially, I'm like, okay, maybe you're just trying to get more on board. But then for the conversation to turn in a way that went from almost understanding to kind of encouraging was uncomfortable to watch because, listen, it's one thing if Erica struggled with her own issues and she wanted to share that, that's fine. But it was more so the tone in which she was talking made it seem like it's very acceptable. Yeah. And I just feel like when you're somebody who's actively working to move away from kind of that disordered pattern, that is not the energy or, or the type of conversation that you need
1: in order to help yourself. No. I think this is going to be treated as like a huge learning moment, not only for them, but for the viewers. And it's not Crystal's job to teach it and it, nothing should fall on her. But I do think it will end up being like, okay, you could see now how this is perceived as a comment that you maybe think is so either complimentary or completely harmless. And now you sort of can see it from Crystal's perspective of knowing the sensitivities and how it would maybe be received. But. I was really proud of her, too, in opening up to Kyle when they're at her house. And I think Kyle was also being a little bit pressing, but coming from her own place of understanding and sort of going at it a way of like, I get it, like I know the tricks and how it goes because I have been there. It, It did feel a little bit aggressive in the moment, but I also think Crystal felt really comfortable with her to like be willing to go there. And Crystal had posted about it. So I think Kyle sort of automatically assumed it was like an open door.
0: Well, one of the criticisms that I saw online was people saying, why is it okay for Kyle to relate to Crystal's eating disorder? But when Sutton tries to do it with Diana's miscarriages, it's criticized. And to me, I'm like, I never thought that was a fair argument in the first place. I didn't feel that Sutton was trying to make it uh, overly about herself. I felt that Diana's criticism of Sutton was unfair. (laughs) Yeah. And Kyle's. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, If you're operating under the belief that it wasn't okay for Sutton to- relate her miscarriages, then of course you're going to think it wasn't fine of Kyle. But I never felt that there was an issue with Sutton doing that because I actually felt like she was trying to humanize the moment. Of course, her delivery wasn't great because as we've found out, she is a little bit clumsy, but that's okay. But wait, hold on. We have to just go back to the Erica conversation. The worst moment of the whole night is when the hors d'oeuvres come around and it's the chicken tender or whatever. And she says to Crystal, maybe jokingly, you can't have that. What the fuck? No, that was a seriously what the fuck moment. And it wasn't even so much that she was, you know, policing her food choices. Obviously, that's like the least kosher thing ever, specifically someone that's been so open about their eating disorder. But it was more so the emphasis on the food. And when you're somebody that's struggling with that, the last thing you want is like all eyes on you and you're making those decisions. And for Erica to have that very vulnerable conversation, which she also handled terribly, but then to make it such a thing. I I know, Crystal, we didn't get too much of her reaction. I'm sure we'll get more next week, but I felt it. I swear to you, I literally felt how she must have felt in that moment.
1: Like the heat rushed to your face and just like being embarrassed and like mortified and almost like a little bit just a pit in your stomach. Yeah, just like stop, stop, stop. Like why are you doing this? I mean
0: that is Erica's issue though. She has no grace. She completely lacks it. And for a long time, she got away with it because it was part of her character. But once all the other aspects of her character have faded, now you're just left with this woman who's very abrasive and has nothing to really show for it. And it's like... uh I, oh my god! I could. I'm not kidding. I could talk about this for an hour. I promise I will stop myself. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this. Like th- those five last five minutes, I almost want to tell my therapist to watch us, so that we can talk about it together. Because obviously, I've spoken at length about like the whole body image stuff. It was really fucked up. That was like one of the worst responses to somebody opening up about their eating
1: disorder that I have maybe ever seen. It was absolutely crazy. It was wild. It was terrible. It was the example that they should put in the textbook of how not to act ever to your girlfriends or any friends but specifically in this exact scenario when you have been vulnerable and you know somebody and you know their past and you know their struggles and also like let's be real are not that close to somebody either like yeah they're castmates but it's not like they're like the best of lifelong friends here.
0: No, not at all. That's Not that saying. that would make it okay, right. by
1: the way, but I'm just saying it's like when you really actually think about that they're not even that close on top of all of that, it's like so fucking cringy.
0: Yeah. The whole thing was really, really off and I just so intrusive and triggering and upsetting for Crystal, I have to imagine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Anyway. Okay. So we are off next week for all three episodes. We'll be back the next week and- I mean, let's just hope for a real reinvigoration of some great episodes because we were lacking a little this week.
1: <laughs> no, I think Beverly Hills is about to take a real wild turn and we don't have Ultimate Girlship anymore, which is really sad and we will be in mourning. But I have hope. I think this will be good. Yeah, I mean, personally,
0: I'm sitting Shiva for Ultimate Girlship. Oh my
1: God so sad
0: (laughs) okay we love you guys so much thank you for letting us do this and for listening and we will see you not next week but the week after